welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Plastering, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Dan Chum, bearded legend, his last podcast as a 30-something. Don't rub it in. Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 198. Coming up in this week's show, we review the week that was, Morecambe away, unfortunately for some, and updates from around the club. But first, we'd like to introduce our sponsor. So welcome onto the podcast from AJF Plastering. Welcome, Adam Francis. Welcome on, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So tell us first, so not everybody, you, you, you know quite a lot of fans, but for those that don't know you, how did you come to support Orient? Uh, I have absolutely no family ties to the club whatsoever, I'm not from East London, um, I was brought up in Southend, believe it or not, uh, and my friend's dad took me to go and see Lake Orient, it was my first ever life game of football, um, so I could have gone Arsenal, could have gone West Ham, could have gone Southend, but it was Lake Orient, so uh, I just decided to follow Lake Orient. So at school that must have been quite a... Quite a challenge then. Yeah, yeah, most people didn't know like, where it was when you yeah. sort of seven or eight years old, to be yeah. honest. And the first game then? Bradford at home. We won 2-1. And Danny Carter and Ian Bogey scored. Oh, we were nice. probably there. Yeah, we probably were. It was 93-94. We were probably in the West End. It was the season before we got yeah. relegated. And I think at the time, we didn't have a bad season. I think we finished sort of eighth or ninth that season, something like that. Ian Bogey and Danny Carter. Yeah. Ooh, oh, what yeah. great names. Uh, do you have a favourite game? Uh, obviously Braintree away at Braintree home last season but as well to go along with that Solihull away the game before last all right, okay. so um, two nil nil games the, a fan of the nil nil the atmosphere at Solihull was something that I've never witnessed in my life uh, at an away game and uh, about 60 minutes in when Ken Teague takes his tie off and walks up the steps high-fiving the supporters with sweat under his armpits and, uh, <laughs> and then starts singing the songs with us it was just a great atmosphere it's brilliant Favourite player or players? Uh, Carl Griffiths. That's oh, my great. Favorite okay. Super Carl. Yeah, I thought he was an outstanding striker. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, there's been loads of greats. Dean Smith, Matt Lockwood, Dean Cox. But for me, yeah, just uh, I absolutely love Super Carl. As an ex-keeper, because we were talking before we started that you used to tread between the sticks, who, who would be your favourite right keeper? Ooh, not sure. I think um, Glyn Garner. I think okay. he was solid. Uh, I liked all the characters like Ashley Bays and people like that, but I thought Glyn Garner was quite a solid goalkeeper. Um, but I do think if uh, Jakubovic had decided to join, I think he'd have got uh, you know um, that was a little bit longer to say that he was a, a favourite after about eight games. But, yeah, um, he would have been outstanding. But yeah, for me, Glyn Garner. Amazing, good shouts there. Um, so views on the season so far? It's been a difficult summer, obviously, yeah. as without saying. Yeah, adjusting to a new league yeah. with similar players and one or two additions. Yeah, uh, to be honest, um, after what happened in the summer, uh, I had absolutely zero expectation for the season. Um, you know, I went out to Spain, um, and you sort of get views from other supporters, and everybody sort of, everybody, I think everybody had the same sort of view. You know, that it was hard to tell what was going to happen. Um, you know, what happened to, to Justin and his family was absolutely terrible. So, you know, f- for us as as um, as a club to move forward after that, yeah, I had no expectations. Uh, and since then, I mean, you know, apart from the last three games, we're sort of, you know, we'll go on to that, I'm sure, later on. But it's been an indifferent start. But um, come come sort of the summer, um, if, you know, we were sort of treading in between where we are now, I probably would have taken it personally. Um, just not the results of late. Um, I thought we were starting to turn the corner. Mm. Um, unfortunately, when Embord decided that, you know, it wasn't for him. So it's been indifferent, but I had no expectations. 
and obviously we're going to come and talk about Carl Fletcher uh, probably quite a lot during this show. Yeah. But what were your first impressions on the uh, appointment for Sur- Carl? Surprised. Um, I'd heard in the South Stand um, prior to the appointment being made, the name come up. Uh, and uh, a lot of people said they don't know who Carl Fletcher was. I actually remember Carl Fletcher as a player, he was a good player. Um, but he'd had zero managerial experience, so he'd got off the radar, really, for years, you know. Um, so, for me, I was a little bit surprised. Um, but at the end of the day, the club have done their process, so you, you know, you give the guy a chance. Yeah, okay. That yeah. is fair, that is fair. Adam is here um, all evening. He's just not a nose fan. He's also a proud sponsor of the Orient Outlook podcast. He is. So AJF Plastering are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company that cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is that he gives 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So if you want any more information and the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can email Adam. It's ajfplastering@outlook.com. Or you can find him on Facebook, AJF Plastering, or Big Ads, B-I-G-A-D-Z-L-O-F-C on Twitter. So a myriad of ways to contact him, or probably at an away game, uh, or probably at a home game. Yeah, just equally. speak to me before half-time, before I've hit the bar, to be honest. <laughs> and there's lots of very satisfied customers out there, I can see, with tweeting you, or yeah, Facebooking yeah. you, and an impressive repertoire. Yeah, so, so far it sort of works. The, you know, the idea, you know, I wanted to sponsor, the, once, when, when you decide that you'd like a sponsor... Um, I think you guys do a great job personally. Um, you know, I've, I've said it on a few occasions that you're like you know a vehicle between club and supporters. So we get so much content and information from you guys, and then when you sort of said that you wanted a sponsor, I thought he's perfect for me. You've got quite a decent audience, um, and it gets my company name out there. And yeah, so far I think uh, five or six supporters have taken advantage of the fifteen percent discount. All been happy. Amazing. Um, so yeah, the sponsorship side of it's going really well for me. Brilliant. So we've just doubled our price for next season. So our, uh, <laughs> <coughs> great to hear. Great to hear. So uh, as always, we'll crack on with our supporters club update. So booking for our new trip is to Oldham coming up on Saturday, the seventh of December. That's a bit of a mission. That one. I'm going. It sounds like such a long time away. Such a long way away that we're going to Oldham. But that's because obviously we've got cut two yeah. home games and then. Yeah, uh, and then this, and then um, so our next hope we have no away games at all in December. In November, November sorry. No, yeah, you're right. So coaches Amazing. leave the sports club for this one at half eight. It's an early start for this one. Uh, kicks off at three pm and thirty six pound for adults, thirty three pound for concessions. If you're not a member of the club, it will cost you an additional three pound. And if you're under fifteen, you can travel for half price. Please remember though that that price does not include your match day ticket, and you can book for this one in the supporters club on any match day, uh, pre or post match, or by calling the travel line on o double seven double two one three five. Nine seven zero. That could be quite a lively game because Oldham announced or their fans trust announced they are going to do a protest against the owners pre-match, and obviously coming where we've come from, you'd expect quite a lot of those who are going to that match to, to attend that. and support the protest. Yeah, I'm off to that game. I've been given permission again by by my fiance, which is quite good. So I'm okay. off to that one. Cool. Yeah. Well done. Well done. So Leighton Orient Trust update for you. They um, Leighton Orient Trust with the EFL Trust have won a contract to deliver national citizens uh, citizenship service from 2020 onwards in Waltham Forest and also in Redbridge, which is a fantastic program that helps young people to become more connected with their communities and develop their independence. That sounds like a cracking piece of work that they'll be doing. 
Yeah, well done to yeah. everyone yeah. at the Trust for that. And before we kick on with the week, there was just one piece of AB. And a thank you to Kyle Fear one who tweeted us out of the blue last week and kindly said, I've been listening to the podcast regularly for a couple of months now, really helping me get through mm. some boring times. Keep them coming. So we love to hear that. Yeah. Massive thanks to Carl. If you listen and want to give us a tweet, feel more than welcome to do so at Orient Outlook or drop us an email at orientoutlook at outlook.com. Yeah, welcome aboard. What took you so long? Um, just kidding, just kidding. So the week that was then, uh, Coulson Monday, the 28th of October. Uh, and I've taken this from Steve Jenkins' Facebook post. So thank you, uh, Steve, uh, for posting this up. Um, on Monday, the 28th of November, we remember Clapton Orient centre-forward William Jonas. Um, in Delville Wood, William's body could not be found. And as such, he is commemorated at the Thiepfel uh, memorial so um, yeah we we shall not forget absolutely and then following their 2-1 away win to QPR the O's ladies were drawn away to Exeter City or Cheltenham Town in the first round of the Women's FA Cup and it was confirmed today we've got Cheltenham Town uh, next Sunday on the 10th of November so good luck to the ladies I think that's probably the lesser of the two evils because I think the other game would have been Exeter yeah which, would have been which, yeah. <laughs> which is further and further away so uh, good luck to, to the ladies there. To Huey Tuesday, then the 29th of October, the under-18s were in action in FA Youth Cup uh, action. They were away at AFC Wimbledon and they lined up with Campbell in goal, Papadopoulos, Marfo, Francois Vanel, Sweeney, Young, McLenaghan, Sivy, Lovat, Adeyemi, Lawrence and Hammers. There'll be a few names in there that will stand out that people remember because we've mentioned them a few times. Unfortunately though, uh, we're, we're sad to report that they lost the game 5-0, so obviously against very strong opposition there, so uh, unlucky to the young O's. Yeah, very unlucky. So Wednesday the 30th of October and a quiet day, the only thing to report was that the club confirmed that the new all-white third kit would be worn for our upcoming game away to Markham. Yep, Thursday the 31st of October, then we move on to uh, this day. It's happy Halloween to everybody. I uh, hope your trick-or-treating was good. And by the way, you can all take your masks off now. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet day at the club, but not for us. We hosted the Orient Hour on Phoenix FM with Matt Porter and Matt Roper joining us as our guests. And have to say, uh, not patting ourselves on the back or anything, but Matt Porter answered all of our questions fantastically well it will give you amazing insight probably adds a lot more flesh to, to to what martin ling had done on the club's official uh interview about how carl fletcher was appointed why he was appointed the um, process that they go through um it's not just one person who decides who that manager is it goes through a fairly rigorous process i think it's fair to say i think the first 20 minutes of the uh, of that show uh, will put people in no doubt whatsoever um that, that that carl convinced a lot of people that he was the right man for the job yeah i think there's a lot of questions um out there about how and why Cole was chosen so it's a good hour of listening but if you haven't got an hour I'd say the first 20 minutes are probably the most insightful um, piece of media yet to be done about how the process was done how it was chosen how it was broken down the way it was done and why Cole was chosen to lead the club forward so for any Orient fan we would massively recommend that one I enjoyed it, but I thought it was a good, good show, and uh, I thought uh, Matt Porter come across really well, um, and given as much information as he probably is allowed or, or wants to give. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, thought, I thought I thought it was excellent, and uh, Matt Roper along the way as well with his views. It was a good show. 
Cool. Yeah, something we never thought we would do is plug the Orient Hour on the Outlook, but here we are. Well, we're doing all friends. It. Absolutely, we're all friends. We absolutely, but well worth a listen to give that some context. So moving on in to Mooney Friday, the first <coughs> of November, in Young Rules Tutorial, you join National League side Dover Athletic on a one-month loan deal. So we wish luck, uh, the best of luck to Young Rule. Yeah, we had a tweet on that from Dicko86 who said he should be on the bench instead of Alabi. Yeah, and then we've got another one from SR Barber, 1986, who says, no idea why he's not used more in the first team, especially recently with injuries and suspensions. Not a bad point there. I mean, mm. Alabi's not really got much game time under Fletcher. I think he came on against Plymouth for 15 minutes. Didn't feature under Carlisle, when you could argue that he should have done in place of Matt Harold. And as we'll come on to, didn't feature yesterday. So probably... Not fancied, it's probably You'd fair have to, to say, say yeah, by absolutely. Fletcher. So if Alabi's not fancied, should Alabi be going out on loan? That is the question to yeah. be asking. Also, I think with Saturio going out on loan to, you know, it's only a level below us, which we was in last season, so it gives him an ideal opportunity. Although he's only got sort of a month, four weeks there, it gives him an opportunity to 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 perhaps show the club what he's got and uh, you know that he can make it and. And sort of be up there with with you know them strong tough tack- tacklers that are in that league. Yeah, so exactly. if you if you can go there and nick a couple of goals, good performances, he's putting himself right in the window to to you know to get a place in the squad and and, and perhaps get a you know cameo off the bench. I'd like to have actually seen him personally though play against Tiptree and Brighton. Yeah, um, which obviously I take it you won't be able to do now. Um, I wouldn't imagine. Wouldn't so. have thought so. But um, yeah, good point. Like if he goes and scores three and four or even two and four then you would imagine when he comes back full of confidence, he would get maybe a Larby's place on the bench. I think they'd extend him there, let him have that run, because arguably the National League is now probably harder this season than it was last yeah. season, with the likes of Notts County still yeah. in, dropping in. You've still got Chesterfield, a decent yeah. Torquay side. There's lots of uh, Hartley Pools. There's lots of full-time professional clubs in that league versus the part-times that we had. Uh, and there's a few surprise packages last season, so it will do him the world of good to be up against players arguably that have come from League 2 um, and are now playing their trade there and being a, a short term deal I, I would only surmise by that that Dover have either an injury problem or, or a suspension problem as it's only a short deal so mm. hopefully you know, if he goes there and impresses yeah like you say Dover might keep him for a bit longer yeah. so he gets a bit more game time or he might do himself the world a good impress and get get you know get a guy in the squad yeah so we'll be keeping a close eye on that one so moving on to Saturday the 2nd of November, and the under-18s were in action against Wimbledon again, this time losing the game 10-0, we are sorry to report. So a bad week for the under-18s. I'm sure we'll want to write that wrong in the yeah. next couple of fixtures. Can't wait to see the back of Wimbledon. Um, so the main event of the day uh, then was Morecambe away. And before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on. And after 195 votes, so slightly lower than, uh, than some of the others we've had in 24 hours, this is how the votes ended up. 13% thought we'd lose, 18% thought we'd draw, but a whopping 69% thought that we would win. And I think I would, if I had voted, I'd have been in that, definitely been in that 69%. Probably, no would, question, have, no doubt. probably would have been joining you in that 69% had we voted. Yeah. So the team was announced at 2pm. Dean Brill and Gold back four. Eddie <coughs> Teta, Coulson, Happy and Willowson in midfield. Marsh, Wright, Clay. Up top, Brophy, Harold and Dayton on the bench. We had Sergeant, Turley, Gorman, JMD, Dennis, Alabi and Wilkinson. There's Cole Fletcher named an unchanged team as Connor Wilkinson was named on the bench following his three-match suspension and Sam Ling and Miles Judd were still ruled out through injury. So for me, 
the only surprise for me in that one is that Wilkinson didn't start. My presumption was he would just walk straight back into that starting eleven. Um, but one up front against the second worst defence in England. So only Southend had conceded more goals in England. Mm-hmm. What a shame. <laughs> was a bit... Could we not be a bit more intentful? Could we not have fitted Wilkinson into the starting lineup? Who at a detriment, one of the midfielders. Well, for me, one of the three central midfielders. But, you know... On the bench, you've got Dennis, JMD, Wilkinson, Alabi. So it's not like you've got a, a massive lack of attacking talent. They're there. They're just all on the bench. Mm-hmm. You? Yeah, so I, I, I agree with you. I think we should have had Wilkinson and Harold up top and dropped one of Clay or Marsh for me. But I do like an unchanged side. There is something that gives me a lot of comfort about an unchanged and the consistency that that goes with. Particularly with a new guy coming in that's trying to implement his ideas if you keep chopping and changing it, it's a sign of uh, lacking, in my opinion, even though he is a new guy. But it's an unchanged side from a side who drew one all at home to Carlisle. It's yeah. not a side who've spanked Carlisle 4 yeah. 0. Adam, you were there. What was the feeling in, when you saw the team line up? Yeah, to, to be fair, most of the people that we were sort of with before the games with the pub and um, everybody said the same thing. They just couldn't, couldn't understand uh, going with a 4 5 1. Uh, was I take it four five one wasn't it? I think it's four five one defence, and when you yeah. attack, it goes into a three three three. So, yeah. so for me, if we'd have beaten Carlisle at home, um, and the, you know they wanted to come here and perhaps just shore the midfield up and, and try and at least take a point, so it's, you know, to come away with four points from from two games, because you know might as well forget the Plymouth game. Um, and fair enough, but you know, after drawing against Carlisle in the first half, everything sort of, even though we only had Harold up top uh, we look we look dangerous and then the second half we you know we petered out so on this by by starting the same um, formation for me it just meant you're limiting ways of attacking the goal because to have Harold up front you're not going to slip a ball through for him because he's not got the lightning pace to beat a defender so you all you're going to be trying to do is get balls into the box and uh, for whatever reason yesterday um, that that didn't happen so my opinion on the starting lineup was that Wilkinson should have started personally. I think we should have gone with four four two just to show that little bit more attacking. Um, you know that you know that can you know we that we go there to show that we're coming in to to, to try, try and get three points, not to not to go so defensive. So yeah, it didn't go down great. I've got to be honest. Uh, amongst all the balls that were at the game. Yeah, I mean there was lots of Orange sports not at the game. A lot of them tweeted us before the match. We had a lot of tweets actually yeah. for a post uh, for a pre-match lineup. David Barrett was the first in. He said, no surprise that we are unchanged. So David expected no changes and that's what he got. And there's LK52 thought it was a joke playing bottom of the league and we start with one out-and-out striker. I said, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't like the look of this. Yeah, well, LFC 1978, one of your customers, says, really disappointing to start with only one up front against the bottom side with the leakiest defence. Pretty negative with two forwards available on the bench and one fresh from a suspension. And Gold931 said, only a win will do. Not even a draw is good enough, but I think we'll get the result Fully confident in the boys. Yeah, so thank you for all your tweets. last words. One, one other thing about the starting <coughs> lineup was um, that the prior to the game, we also found out that Kevin Ellison wasn't starting, mm. that he was going to take his place on the sideline, which, you know, for me, I thought, great, because Kevin Ellison, he seems to score against us constantly. So for him, yeah, and also the goalkeeper as well, their number one choice goalkeeper, although I thought their goalkeeper yesterday, which we obviously got covered a little while, and was quite solid. But um, Kevin Ellison not starting gave. Gave me quite a bit of hope before the game. Yeah. That, all right, we went with four or five one, but yeah. we could still um, get some points because let's face it, 
you know, they're, they're bottom for a reason. And if their main strike threat's not even now playing, um, I thought we had a chance, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I could agree with you more. So the match kicked off with Yeo's looking to heap more misery on the bottom of the table and manager Smallcombe, who were being co-managed, like I said, by 40-year-old Kevin Ellison, who got a good record against Orient, and their first-choice keeper, Barry Roach. And like we've said, both named themselves, not even on the bench. So they've named a first a keeper who hasn't played all season, to my knowledge, in their first team. Uh, and without one of their main... Shows they're taking it seriously then because they want to manage from the sidelines and impose what they want to do because a lot of people would name themselves in... Well, if you've got two co-managers, you'd have one in the squad and one out so that then you'd get messages and and that consistency across. But they've said, no, we're going to stand on the side and let the players play. Fair play to them. Fair play, absolutely. Um, So what was it like in the away end then? Uh, It was... was, Before the game, it was uh, was a great atmosphere. Um, The sort of... um, where they put you in the in, in the main stand, sort of to the side, the acoustics of the of the stand, it, it, it means that you know the noise echoes about. You know the first sort of ten fifteen minutes for those that managed to watch it online or listen. You know, Orient fans were quite vocal, um, but the, that mood started dying down um, as the game progressed with with the performance out on the pitch. So, uh, but prior to you know it was it was the usual Orient away game amongst fans. You know, a bit of jovial joking about, and uh, everybody sort of upbeat and expecting uh, you know not to walk the game but everybody was expecting to win the game mm-hmm. yeah I'm glad you said that I think we all expected yeah. to be turning over the yeah. team who were bottom yeah. and managers so let's find out first up how the first half went on so 7 minutes nice build up play sees Tom Brewitt curl an effort from the edge of the box which is deflected just wide and then 12 minutes later Andrew Toot has an effort from distance but Dean Brewer does well to push it over the bar yeah good save there from Brewer kind of falling backwards an easy save, maybe one for the cameras potentially. Also as well, <clears throat> it was a wet day. The ball was greasy. If you'd have tried to catch that ball, this potential we could have spilled it. Um, so I thought we'd done well to get over the ball. Yeah. yeah, good point. So we have to wait 15 minutes for the next chance to talk about. And in the 34th minute, a low ball across the box finds Alessandro in front of goal. But he scuffed it wide. So 35 minutes in, we haven't spoken once about an Orient chance. About any Orient players. So first half hour from a defensive performance um, it looks like we were okay <clears throat> from an attacking performance we got non-existent uh, I just felt felt like we didn't impose ourselves on, on Morecambe and uh, fair play to Morecambe you know fair, uh, their, their manager was out on um, their two managers their co-managers or, or caretakers were out on the sidelines constantly giving instructions to their squad and I think their squad's quite young as well I don't think they've got a lot of experience they've probably got some experienced players but it's a bit of a mixture yeah. um, I've got to be honest they they looked really good. They either looked really good or we were really poor because some of their passing, you know, passing go, passing go, their movement, um, we were like statues at times for the first sort of, you know, 35, half time. Um, that was flat. Um, we didn't impose ourselves. Uh, you know, it's not that the players didn't want to go out there and, and, and get a point or get three points. Um, they just did, we didn't impose ourselves enough and... Uh, Orkham come out of the blocks quick and they, and they were in our face and, and they had they showed every intent that they wanted that three points and and we were going to be the first team that they beat since since April and you could tell every player on that pitch wanted to play for for the two guys in the dugout 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. 37th minute, John O'Sullivan curls wide from the corner of the box. And that's it for the first half. An additional minute is played out and the half-time whistle goes as the teams go in nil-nil uh, at the break and it sounds like really a half to forget yeah and at this point there was a lot of disgruntled supporters uh, me included um, 
and a lot of people were making their feelings known on the way to the to the bar. Okay. To be honest. Okay. And at half time, also, we learned this through Quest TV that the Morecambe chairman went on the pitch to try and G up their supporters, get the ground a bit more vocal and a bit more supportive. He's done a Delia Smith by the sounds of it. <laughs> he has, he has. So let's be having you. A lot of tweets yeah. in at half time. Again, we always get quite a few in those. I'd say more than average came into us at half time from a lot of people who were there, some people who weren't. So Orion underscore Ed, who was definitely there, tweeted us and said, What a load of rubbish. Giving the ball away cheaply, lack of movement. And constantly sitting deep. Les underscore Bristow said, Orient have been insipid, toothless and unadventurous. One shot was way off target, no corners, dressed like Real Madrid, playing like the real dog and duck. Yeah, Stiggy, 64. He was there as well. Said Chris passing, movement, desire and a game plan. Unfortunately, that's Morecambe. <laughs> Not us. We haven't got a great clue. tweet. Some great tweets coming in at half-time off the cuff. Yeah, very good. George Nicholas underscore one said, we look like a team with no idea what to do. Brill has no agility and struggles to kick. The midfield can only go sideways or backwards and Harold has no help. Hopefully, we see the Orient from last week's first half. Our defence is the only reason it's nil-nil. Yeah, so tenants announced at 2,691 with, I think, a tremendous 353 fans making the journey. I mean, that's an early... A very early start. Yeah. yeah, most people I know were tweeting that uh, sort of the same time I was up, and I was up at half past five, and I, I didn't get home until half past twelve, just past midnight. So really, uh, yeah, it's a long day. It's an all day to see this sort of game. That is that is an all day unfortunate commitment for most fans that you wouldn't expect. It's a strange one though, because when you go for away from, I know we expected to beat Morecambe, but you have a different sort of mindset. Well, I do to a, to the away game that if, if we lose, you know, it's, it's painful, especially losing to Morecambe. But because it's an away match, I don't let it sit with me as much as I would a home match. Yeah. If that was at home yesterday, um, invested uh, on it for the yeah, weekend. I, yeah, yeah, I think so. But I guess it's the away day adventure that oh, it's, kind a, it's of always it a cracking day, Paul. It's always a cracking day. I mm. mean, some of the people that go are some proper characters as well. So, and uh, you know, I, for years I haven't done away games, just having a family and and, and building my business up and stuff like that. But I've, I've managed to get the opportunity last two seasons to go to some away games and met some brilliant people along the way, which is great because um, it's what it's all about. To be honest, you meet mm. some, you meet new friends. That's mm. great. Anyone you want to give a shout out to? Who do you go travelling with? Uh, Oh, with Darren Reisman uh, and and the uh, I won't name the names. We've got a little WhatsApp group, but why we're called Orient Ladies, I do not know. Because I've only just been added <laughs> to the group not that long ago. Uh, but all of the boys in the uh, Orient Ladies group, um, yeah, they're all, all a really good bunch. Like it, lovely to hear. So the second half kicked off, no subs for the O's. Maybe slightly surprising that based on we have no chances to talk about. Maybe you could have think, you know, will he will he change up here at half time because he he did against Plymouth, although. At that point, you're falling all down, but the car has changed at half time before. Yeah. It's maybe a bit surprising, although we didn't get many tweets about, about that at all. But I thought you might see a, a bit of a change. We might see Wilkinson come on half time. Yeah, possibly. Days. But I think also the fact that they'd be hard to scout to understand what they were, how they were going to set up. Because Jim, they'd have scouted a Jim Bentley Morecambe, not a Barry Roche and Kevin yeah, Ellison Morecambe. So, but I, I'm a believer that you set up the most successful teams set up to play their way and are aware of the threats of the other team and yeah. look to counter that. So for me, he's probably just sort of shifting a few things around and sort of tweaking a few things to try it. This is what I'm th- I'm hoping is going on in that dressing room. Mm. It, obviously, we know what the outcome of this game was and it obviously wasn't that. But that's what I would have thought. Well, okay, you're doing this and they're doing that. So we need to just shift about a little bit. We've got the personnel to deal with the problem. 
and to overcome it, and that's why I'm not going to make a sub. I'll see how the first 15 minutes of this half go, let's get to the hour mark, and then let's make some changes, which seems to be a common thing. That, was, that was also proved against Carlisle, because against Carlisle, we slaughtered them down the left-hand side, second half, they nullified our left-hand side, so yes. they clearly see the threat, they stopped the left-hand side, we didn't sort of use any sort of other way of tactics switch by switching yeah. it to the right, mm. uh, perhaps because we didn't have a full-back that could overlap, you know, because Miles not an out-and-out right-back, but Carlisle proved that they could switch it up to try and you know, get the game, and let's face it, I mean, and Carlisle could have nicked the game at a point. So, at half-time, I wasn't shocked that we hadn't made a sub, just because, I think throughout football history, not, you know, not many managers make yeah, that many changes yeah. at half-time. Um, I wasn't shocked, but I think it would have shown real intent if we brought um, another forward on, personally. Yeah, okay. So, the better start for the second half videos, although no real chances to talk about, until the 58th minute, as Morecambe had a couple of shots and a goal off scramble, but good defending by the O's saw the danger cleared. And shortly after, the O's make two changes. Marvin Ekpeteta is replaced by Dale Gorman and Connor Wilkinson comes on for James Dayton. So Connor and James is a straight swap, as you would expect. So Connor goes on the right. Okay, yeah, it's fine. 4 3 3 here. Yeah, but then George, I didn't understand why Marsh moved went to the right back and yeah. Gorman goes. Why not just bring If Jamie Turley's on the bench, right? Yeah. He's obviously fit to play, although he's lacking game time. Well, I get that. But for half an hour, he should But surely you just play Tony as right back, right? Because players now are playing out of position. And I know Marsh is tenacious, but for all intents and purposes, he's a centre midfielder, yeah. not a right back, unless I've got the wrong enough to stick about George Marsh. So, you know, it's easy knowing yourself for me to sit here and criticise, but that one, I, at the time, I thought, what's yeah. he doing? Yeah. Why like, doing why not Tony then? Like, what's the mm. point of naming Tony on the bench? I thought George Marsh played okay, personally. Um, the centre of midfield, it was a tough day for the centre of midfield, to be honest, but I thought he got about a bit. I mean, may, maybe, you know, some Premier League players, especially the youth players that come through now, have got another position in the locker, yeah, perhaps. Of course. Uh, perhaps at Tottenham, George Marsh, you know, can switch to right back if needed. He's he's a, he's a little bit more smaller and agile, so, um, but unfortunately, it didn't really matter who we put down on the right-hand side, or the left, if you like, because we didn't bomb forward and we, you know, um, the comment about that we improved second half I didn't really see an improvement personally okay. yeah, fair enough fair enough so at this point still nil nil. 66 minute Craig Clay plays and George Marshall on the right side his cross come shot flies over the bar and then a minute later Carl Stockton shot wide from the edge of the box so at this point are you thinking there's a goal in here somewhere and I just hope it's coming to Orient or did you see this one being played out as a nil nil? Uh, um, to be honest um, not sure really because I don't, I don't, you know, even though Morecambe had a lot of the ball, and you know they did have a lot of intent, um, and they, they were getting balls in the box. You know, I didn't really feel us up for it, and I, and I think it was around that point in the game that um, I turned around to one of the guys that was with us and said, "I still think we're going to nick this." Oh, um, I know. I said, "I still think we're going <laughs> to nick this," uh, but I also did say, "If we nick it, it's papering over some some, some clear cracks." Um, and it wasn't long after that that <laughs> yeah, they scored. Clearly wrong. And I think I I, I find. Um, Carl's subs last week a bit bizarre uh, and again this week and I didn't really understand his explanation for why he made those changes they were quite vague yeah. last week and this week again I'm so I, I, yeah and, and I didn't want to like be the the first guy to be like that guy that challenges him and because I don't understand football like a football manager understands football but I know what I see and I didn't understand the Carlisle changes and I didn't understand yesterday's changes. Uh, like, I remember the question you asked Carl last week and uh, I don't. Uh, 
about asking him, you know, to make <coughs> oh, the substitution. Yeah. yeah. He, 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 you know, didn't give good it. reasons. I mean, yeah. it's this, you know, he only said that like come across to me that he wanted to shore up the midfield. If you're trying to shore up the midfield at home, um, you're playing for a, you're playing for a point, surely. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I get Wilkinson for Dayton. I get that one. It was just I don't know if you've got Turley as a right back, they might not use your right back to go right back as opposed to mm-hmm. a centre mid to right back for a centre mid. And, and also, yes, yeah, so for the short time that Connor unfortunately was <coughs> on the pitch, um, he was having to come out wide to come and receive the ball. So, you know. If he's going to be in that box, trying to nick a you know, a, you know, a goalkeeper could parry it, especially. But in that weather yesterday, it was it was a real greasy pitch. Why we weren't getting the centre midfielders to pump balls at a young goalkeeper who's got inexperience, who could spill the ball. And then you have the likes of Matt Harold and then Connor Wilkinson back feeding off scraps, nicking them goals. We just didn't seem to. I don't know. It just seems to have no clear intent on what we was doing yesterday. It's like you've read my post-match comments. About yeah. testing out a young keeper or a keeper who hasn't played. Much he was before. quite tall. He was quite lump, and uh, you know, anything sort of high, unless you're going to be accurate, you know, he's probably going to get it. But yeah, we didn't. We just didn't really yeah. test him at all. So it wasn't him that was tested. It was us that was tested in the 74th minute. As the deadlock was broken, Morecambe took the lead through AJ Leach Smith. Just moments after coming on as a substitute, he picked the ball up on the left hand side of our box, just outside the box. He controlled the ball. Cut across the box a bit to open up in, open it up for himself and he curled the ball into the uh, far corner, top corner uh, of the net to put Morecambe uh, 1-0 up. I've got to say, that was a cracking goal for all intents and purposes. He's probably had a bit too much time and from a defensive position you could say we didn't close him down enough but that's some finish for a player at the bottom of the league. He, he, to he literally come on uh, two minutes before that, I think. Yeah. Um, and... It was a it was a great strike, and you know I have been very vocal and critical of Dean Brewer, as a lot of people know. But on this occasion, he's not saving that. No, no league two keeper saving that. Because Dean Brewer's position was to expect the cross, so he's not going to be standing on his goal line. If he's standing on his goal line, he saves it. But no goalkeeper's going to be standing on the, the goal line. He's going to be standing sort of near to the edge of the six-yard box, expecting the cross. Um, and the guy, he hits an absolute worldie. Um, although leading up to it. Um, Obviously, when you're live watching the game, you can't see clearly every phase of play. At the very beginning of the phase of play, uh, if you watch the highlights, uh, I think somebody even put it on Twitter and actually like paused the, the play to see that we had three players, which I believe was Gorman, Brophy, and I can't remember who the other person was, surrounding a player who had his foot on the ball on the touchline because he didn't know where he was going to knock the ball to next. So them three players, surely one of them could have just gone in just kicked him into the stands if you had to. Do whatever you've got to do. Yeah. But for some somehow, more turned into Brazil and, and started pinging the ball around our players as if we wasn't there. And then sort of th- that was 30 seconds, I think, prior to uh, stop from scoring the goal. Yeah. Um, and it stayed around, if you watch the highlights, it stayed around that, that little corner of the pitch. They just kept, kept keeping the ball, kept keeping the ball. And then all of a sudden, we just opened up, you know, parted yeah. like the... Part of like red sea and, and yeah. I presume once that goal goes in, the away fans were probably agitated to a certain point. Yeah, massive. And now a lot more massive agitated uh, because at that point, leading up to the goal, which showed no intent and no, you know, didn't look like scoring. So at one nil down, um, I didn't see where another goal was coming from. Yeah, and Dean Brill on the highlights didn't move. He was rooted to where he was. Yeah. He clearly expected a cross to come in and not a shot. I think he stumbled back slightly, but yeah. he knows he's not getting there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could see that. If that guy had done that 
if that guy had done that ten more times, he wouldn't. He, yeah, wouldn't, he wouldn't hit that spot. Yeah, absolutely. So things went from bad to worse a minute later as we were forced to make our final sub of the game. It's Connor Wilkinson who only come on about fifteen minutes earlier. Was unable to continue due to I think it was muscular injury that Carl has said. But we'll come on to Carl's post match shortly. He came off and on came J and D. Yeah, seventy nine minutes on the clock. Then a free kick is headed down to Dan Happy, who shot but Halstead stayed big and made the save. And a minute later. Josh Wright has an effort from distance that flew over the bar. 79 minutes until we've seen the first shot on target, um, I believe, from Orient yesterday. I mean, that in itself is pretty disappointing. Like yeah, you said, against a team who can't or haven't it's historically poor. been able to defend. No crack, no papering over that crack. That is poor for us to be 80 minutes into a game talking about our first chance. Against the bottom of the league team as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hard, yeah, not against like the world's worst. The league's second worst defensive yep. outfit as well. 82 minutes, uh, another chance for the Orient. There's a George Marshall long throw, was flicked on by Matt Harold. Josh Wright got his head on the ball, went towards the far post. I think their keeper had this one covered. The ball went wide. You could argue that was a chance, but I don't think it was ever beating the keeper from where it was. But a bit more intent now at this point you can see that we're having to come forward because we need the equaliser and a 1-0 yeah. loss we're chasing a point now a 1-0 loss ain't going to look great yeah. in this game no, yeah. we woke up on 80 minutes it gives you 10 minutes to try and try and get back in the game you know it's it, like I say there was just no intent um, it was a bit of a I put it on Twitter it was a bit of a heartless soulless performance if, yeah. in my opinion so we had 5 minutes of injury time that were added on and it's the last chance of the game in the 94th minute James Brophy cross was met by Josh Wright but did did well to save it and that was a good chance and the keeper did, did well. Yeah, I mean, you can argue on like another day that goes in and we're talking about a one or draw. I still don't think it, people would be very happy at the one or draw but it might be a bit more positive. But for me, Brophy, in that 45 <coughs> minutes last week in that first half, he was like lightning. He was amazing. Yeah. And this game, you're like, oh, 90, we haven't spoke about Brophy at all until 94 no, minutes. No. It's like, come on, James, man. Like, <coughs> you know, you know like you're good. Surely you want to run at more different, like, be imposing yourself on a match more than what you are. I'm, not, you know, I'm not a lover of um, players going down easy and stuff like that. But as well, on a, on a greasy pitch, you know, again, I, you know, we all sit here and we all we all think we're football managers at times. But on a greasy pitch, a skillful player like James Brophy, if he could just, if he was given a, enough of the ball and, and, he, and he breaks into the box, you know, on a greasy pitch, people are going to make mistakes. Yeah, they're, they're, that was a game yesterday <coughs> that I expected. Um, I expected goals, not not one nil. You know, even if we'd have won the game, I, I, you know, you'd expect maybe a mistake, a, a slippery ball. But we just, um, I just don't think we even tried to take advantage of, of other avenues of scoring. We just was trying to do the same constant thing, and the, and the balls that went into the box, it was it just it seemed like you know, there was nobody there. And you know, when you got someone like Matt Harold in the box, who let's face it, I mean, his his debut goal for us, it was put on his forehead, and he absolutely buried it. I remember last season, yeah. he's great in the air, but. It just didn't get the service. And Matt Harold yesterday, for me, was the only man in the match. I mean, he worked so hard. And, and, you know, when you're flicking on and you've got nobody behind you. It's pouring it. I mean, even, you know, with the five, you know, five that we had across the midfield, why not for that game just stick Brophy up top so Matt Harold can flick onto him because Brophy's pace is frightening. Yeah. We just didn't see it yesterday. It was um, a bit of a strange one, to be honest. Like I say it was... Um, a soulless performance. It was as if we was resigned after about 30 minutes that we won't get nothing out of the game. Yeah. So full-time whistle went shortly after that chance as Morecambe picked up their first home win of the season as Carl Fletcher's third game in charge of the O's. 
ends in defeat, making one point from nine in a game many O's fans thought we would win. So we weren't there. David there was. So we play these interviews every week. You may have seen quite a lot of um, comments about this post-match interview. Um, so if you haven't heard it, yeah. see what you think. And here is Carl Fletcher talking to David Dewar after the game. Well, Carl, thanks for joining us. Clearly not the result you wanted. What about the performance? Um, yeah, I think we were, we were a little flat first half. Um, we improved second half. Um, started getting to in the game. Um, and obviously... You know, it took a took a worldy of a goal uh, that separated the two sides, and obviously we knew that, that with the change of managers um, for their side that they were going to be up for the up for the game and really up for the fight kind of thing. So, um, although although we we didn't play well first half, um, I was pleased the way the lads dug in, got into half time, and like I said, we had an improvement second half, and and just just probably couldn't get enough quality in the final third. I know you were looking forward to having that full week working with the squad. Why were they so flat in the first half? Yeah, well, you know, if if we, we knew that then we'd all be millionaires wouldn't we wouldn't be, wouldn't be kind of uh, here so to speak but um, no 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 I think you know it's just, just sometimes it happens and I think I think the, the, the key thing when we were a little bit off it and weren't really where we needed to be um, they dug in and, and stuck together as a unit and got into half time at nil nil. and like I said we, we improved um, in the second half um, and starting to get a good foothold in the game and then, then obviously the the lads putting a, a great goal to, to win the game. And it seemed to be a double blow with Connor Wilkinson picking up an injury in the move that led to that breakthrough. Yeah, disappointing. So so just a muscular injury. So we'll have to assess him next week and, and see how long he's going to be. But um, obviously disappointing for Con because he's been out for, for a period and obviously to come back. Um, it's good for him to come back. But um, like I said, um, we'll, we'll see how he gets on next week. You made some changes. George Marsh finishing the afternoon at right back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, George does well. You know, we're going to get with George. Just felt where we where we was getting a little bit more possession of the game. And um, although Marv's done fantastic, you know, he's not a natural right back, um, but he's done fantastically well and looking to improve all the time. So we just, you know, George just give us a little bit more of a dimension of that going forward from an attacking point of view. And um, you know, which which I thought he'd done great at. So I think you know, at, at any kind of level, you need players that are adaptable. Um, and luckily, we've got that. The players didn't give up, and in the fifth minute of stoppage time, you're yeah. saying came so close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't really get a clear kind of view of it, so to speak. But um, yeah, it was very, very close um, to getting the equaliser. Um, but you know, these things happen. Like I said, we've got to push on again next week, work hard, and, and keep trying to put, uh, improve. Is it hard to uh, face a side where you? It must be difficult to do the preparation because obviously new managers and there's going to be changes. Yeah, yeah. You go into it a little bit blind, so to speak. You can only go by what you've seen before. So, um, and like I said, we knew with new managers coming in that they were they were going to be um, maybe have a different mindset and, and obviously looking to impress. So, um, yeah. But you, you just got to get on with it and try and focus on what what you you can try and do well and you can control and, and then take it from there. You'll be looking for a reaction in two cup competitions now, starting on Wednesday with Brighton's under 23s. Yeah, yeah, two two good games. Um, so yeah, Brighton obviously Wednesday, and then obviously the FA Cup on Sunday. So yeah, looking forward to it. Um, two home games. So hopefully, you know, we can go there and, and keep progressing and, and improving. And in those games, will you be looking to field your strongest eleven? Um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll see as it comes. Um, we'll have a little look Monday and see where we're at squad-wise because um, it's a busy period for us. Um, and then I think we'll, um, we'll assess it when we go into the game. I think it, you know maybe an opportunity as well to get some of the players that haven't played lots of minutes since I've come in, so we can we can assess, assess the squad fully. Are those games going to come too early for the likes of Sam Ling and Joby Mackenna? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, going to be a, another few weeks yet. So um, I think it's important that we we get them 
you know, fully into training and, and fully involved um, before they get into the game situation. Jamie Turley remains on the substitutes bench and might be a starter. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll look for Tells to get some minutes definitely on Wednesday. Um, you know, like I said, he's been back training now a couple of weeks and obviously the next step is obviously getting there and, and play some games. So um, it might be a good opportunity for him to get the minutes under this belt. I imagine you know the under-23s quite well. It's uh, Brighton Hove Elbin as a standard. There's some supporters that have been critical with the Premier League uh, under-23s being involved in the league competition. How do you see it? Um, I mean, I've, I've probably seen it from, from both sides, really. So I, I think it's great for the, the, the 23 teams. I know, obviously, some, some of the, the lower league teams maybe not as excited by it with, an, you know, kind of another fixture or kind of people coming into their, their game, so to speak. But um, it's like I said, from, we can only look at it from our point of view. It's an opportunity for, for maybe some players to get some minutes so we can fully assess the squad and see where we're at. Um, and, and like I said, any game you go into, you want to go and win. So um, we'll be looking to do that. And it's a massive game, isn't it, for Malden and Tiptree? Yeah, FA Cup, you know, it's exciting. So, um, you know, you get the whole the whole front of the fair, so to speak, with, with what comes with the FA Cup. So, yeah, we'll be looking forward to that game as well. So it's, um, yeah, exciting times. So you need a reaction from your squad now? Yeah, yeah, no, we'd expect any kind of, you know, whatever, you know, the, the result of the out was today, you know, you, we were always looking to improve. So, um, yeah, we'll go again next week, you know, working hard and trying to trying to um, improve on what, where we can and then and then um, hopefully put into good performances when we get into the games. There were over 300 travelling fans and they stayed with the team to the end. Yeah, they did, yeah, fantastic. You know what I mean? It's great. It's a long way up, you know, as we found yesterday, kind of on the coach. So, um, you know, fantastic for them to come up and, and support the lads like they did. You've heard about Connor's injury, any others? Uh, not that I know of at the minute. So, obviously, like I said, we'll, we'll have a little look Monday. Thanks, Carl. Thank you. Cheers. That was Carl Fletcher talking to Dave Victor uh, post-match yesterday. As always, thank you to Dave for sending over uh, his interview. So, we hope you found that um, insightful. Um, league table, then that defeat meant that we stay in 16th place as we've now played 17 games with one five, drawn five and lost seven. We've accumulated 20 points and a goal difference, sadly, of minus Four. Yeah, we certainly have. So it's kind of our view time. I think we've heard uh, what you think, but just summarise your views on yesterday's game for us, Adam. Um, well, I think after listening to <coughs> I actually switched off that interview um, when about 30 seconds in last night um, because uh, Carl Fletcher's watching a different game to everybody else because uh, I'm not sure where, where the improvement was in the second half. I, I feel that Carl Fletcher's interview there as well is is probably the most blase interview I've ever heard in my life by a football manager um, to say, you know, the boys dug in and, you know, he's talking there, talking there like we're a, we're a team at the bottom of the league struggling to get points. The, 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 the lads dug in and got into half-time at 0-0 as if like that was a, you know, that was a, a real good positive thing. Um, and then to say, um, you know, when asked about why the team are flat that... Uh, if he knew that, he'd be a millionaire. I actually think that some person, this is just my personal opinion, that somebody from the club needs to have a strong word with Carl Fletcher after the comment about I'll take a point against Carlisle to say that he doesn't know why the players were flat uh, and if he knew he'd be a millionaire. Well, unfortunately, that's your job, Carl, to know why them players are flat um, and to, to understand how to improve from, from that situation. Uh, yesterday's, yesterday's game... I, them, them, them players out there, I think they've got enough ability to, to, to do a job this season to be mid-table. Never expected anything more. 
do I think all of our squad are capable of getting us into that top seven? I, I don't. I think there's a couple of players, unfortunately, that are, that are falling short this season. Um, and yesterday's game proved that, you know, we played against Morecambe and they're saying they've got a new, you know, the, the new manager sort of buzz. We've got a new manager, haven't we? I think, um, you know, he's only had two and a half hours with the train of the team up until this week. Yeah. So surely he's been implementing his ideas and, and, and we're buzzing and we're up for the Morecambe game. Um, the game yesterday just, uh, the players just didn't look like they had an idea. And um, yeah, like I say, I'm not, um, I'm not going to sit here and just be overcritical. You know, we have got to give the guy a chance because he's three games in. Um, but unfortunately, he's, um, the way he's coming across in the media at the moment, his blase attitude, if that's his attitude, um, then it worries me what his half-time team talks are like, his pre-match team talks are like, and what his, you know, the, the team talks that they have at training because he's repeating himself over and over again. You know, he's not inspiring me. So if he's not inspiring me and, 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 and many others that I speak to, how is he going to inspire them, them players at half-time to go out and get results? We're talking, he's talking like a, like a manager that he's taken over a team similar to what Justin Edinburgh took over. Justin Edinburgh took a team over and I remember his first interview. He took, a, he, he took a massive deep breath and his eyes were wide open as if to say, Jesus, what have I taken on here? This is worse than I thought. That, that's how sort of Carl Fletcher's coming across to me. But the situation isn't that bad. When he came into the club, we'd just come off the back of ten points from four games, which is a, you know, and, and every team in this league that I've seen so far have, have reasonably impressed me. Even the opening day against Cheltenham, I thought they were quicker than us. Some of their play was good. You know, I think we've got a lot of catching up to do. And uh, yesterday, I, I honestly believe the squad's good enough to to, to at least be mid-table. A couple of additions in the, in January. Who knows where it takes us, but. Um, I'm slightly concerned at the moment, I've got to be honest. Okay, very well said. Some great points there, points that we haven't made in our notes. So, yeah, pretty good. Bearded one? Yeah, um, shouldn't be losing to a team bottom of the table uh, who are managerless and without a win this season and have the worst defensive record. Um, they've got poor form. They must be low on confidence, but you wouldn't have been told by what you said and by what we've read out, that it, all the play was them this week. Um, and it must have done their, their confidence the world of good. Uh, does nothing for us and our confidence, though. Um, if anything, probably a little bit demoralising. A lack of opportunities and not testing their keeper is a sign of a problem to me. But where's this come from? We put four past Grimsby. We put three past Walsall. Recently, we're not talking like the end of the season. Oh, that was at the beginning of the season. This is in the last three or four weeks that we've done this. So how all of a sudden have we gone from scoring seven goals in two games and conceding one to not even testing the goalkeeper? Um, I think Grimsby, I might be wrong, was the same 11 apart from Gorman played instead of Marsh. I think it was literally the same 11. You're probably right. Or the same 10. Well, no, it wasn't Harold, was it? That was Wilkinson. That started. I don't know. Maybe I thought he was suspended. But for by that. and large, the same players have been used. Yeah. It's been Happy, Coulson, Woodleson, whoever at yeah. right back. The midfield has been Wright and Clay and and Brophy, and oh, then Gorman. Yeah, yeah. And then up front, you've had Wilkinson and well Harold or, or, or Angle up to a point. Um, so yeah, by and large, it's at least seven or eight of those players that would yeah. have been probably eight or maybe even nine of those players that started in that game. Exactly, exactly my point. 
Carl and the team will really need to think hard about how to move forward from this because our performances haven't been good enough in our last couple of games. Well, the second half of Carlisle uh, and, and Yeso's games, that's three halves of football um, that haven't been good enough. So was the Carlisle first half a bit of a full storm for us? Um, and what's happened to all our creative players? For me, Louis Dennis hasn't really shown us why we went to some lengths to sign him in the summer. I know he's had bit part roles, but as a substitute player, in my view, you come on and show the manager everything you can do. You leave everything out on the pitch to give him a selection headache as to why you should start the next game and not the person who started. You're out to take their jersey, their shirt. So for me, I don't see Louis Dennis doing that and I don't see Jordan Maguire Drew doing that. Unfortunately, uh, Jordan Maguire Drew is a bit of a strange one because he came he came with so much um, sort of optimism as a signing last season. Justin spoke well about him. He fizzled out at the end of the season. He wasn't fancied and he's, he's clearly not fancied this season. And... Uh, Every time I've seen him, personally, uh, he doesn't look like he has the quality for this league. That's Again, that's just my opinion. Uh, don't see much from him. As for Louis Dennis, uh, I remember he absolutely, absolutely tore us a new one when we played Bromley, when they beat us 6-1. And, and, you know, Portsmouth obviously clearly see something in him at a higher level. And like you say, we went out, you know, the rumour is that we went all out for him in the summer... We wait a long time. Uh, he has. He's had enough chances to, sh- to to perhaps show that he's he's getting a chance. You know, uh, you know getting a getting a start at eleven. Um, you only got to look at Matt Harold. Matt Harold now, by and large, I know Matt Harold comes with a lot of criticism amongst supporters, and you know he's a bit. Some people like him. Some people don't think he should start. For me, at the moment, he's got to be the first. Whilst our goal is injured, he has to start with Wilkinson. Well, I think what Harold does on the pitch for a thirty. You know, five-year-old man. Yeah. Um, he's very good. He's, and, yeah. and, and one other player that I thought has been outstanding this season has been uh, Widdison. I, I actually thought Widdison would struggle with a step up. I think he's I think he's gone on to excel personally. Out, out of all the defenders, I actually think he's been the better, better player along with Dan Happy. Mm. Yeah, no, a big shout yeah, for me would be Dan cool. Happy. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see any of these players really causing selection headaches for Carl uh, and, and the team. And for me, I think a couple of people mentioned about Brophy doing his um, going down too easily, and, and I think those theatrics need to be stopped. It's not what we're about. And it's not nice to see, and you get labelled and you get a reputation for it. So when you do get a genuine penalty shot, you're not going to get it because it's like the boy who cried wolf. I expected more from that game and didn't expect to be talking about a loss, quite frankly. And to say I'm hugely disappointed is, is, a, is a fundamental understatement, but I don't get some of the meltdowns that people are having. Um, probably going to contradict myself here. Carl's two <laughs> weeks into the job. He'll need time and we'll have to allow that and there'll be some good, bad and indifferent things that we'll see. Um, Joe Widdison's interview afterwards says he doesn't really know why they turned up and played the way they did. And that's quite shocking for me that you've practised all week a certain way and then you go out there and there's nothing about you. Like, you have 90 minutes a week to perform, to do your job. You train all week for that 90 minutes. It's not a long time. 90 minutes, an hour and a half out of a whole working week is not a long time to go out there and leave all your energy and all your fight and determination out there. And to me... And to implement the ideas that's been put into a week's long training. Unless he's over over implementing, mm. unless he's trying to change too much, too quickly, and therefore it's leaving people confused as to what they should be doing and how they should be enacting his um, 
his tactics and his game plan. And finally, a stat from me, played one, lost one in our third kit. <laughs> For all you statos out there, beat you to it. Nicely done. <laughs> For me, disappointing, overall disappointing. And sorry, just to, just to say... I don't think Carl inspires me either with those in, with the with his post match interviews. I don't find it. I don't. There's nothing to take that says, "All right, okay, okay. yeah, we'll, we'll, I think we'll be all right with this." It's I find it lacklustre and, and, and underwhelming. For me, really disappointing defeat all round from the lineup to the performance. The game won't live long in our memories. You know, I think Carl was alluded to it, but we all knew Morgan would have a new manager bounce, right? They got like two new men in next plays. You know what the game's all about. So we, knew, we knew that was coming. The, the new manager bounce, the, the current members of staff. It's not like they're a new guy that's yeah. come in either, is it? Yeah, but it's a great opportunity for them. We knew, like you knew they were going to be up for it. Um, and to say, to, you know, you would say to our midfielder, our forward, that keeper, I can't. He's he's not a regular. So test him out early. Like it's a wet pitch. So we'll take a few pop shots, see how he does. And you know, if he spills one, then we've taken the lead or at least put him under some pressure and see what they're about or get out there early doors get a goal shut their crowd up and their heads will go straight down and we go and win this 3 or final just get at them early and prove that you know they are bottom for a reason but didn't happen we did nothing of the sort and when we I don't mind losing Orient fans don't mind losing it's life yeah but when you lose you want to talk about chances sweat mud dirt backing whatever like, we've not talk, spoken about an Orient shot until the 79th minute. And that was from a central defender. <laughs> and it's just, it's one of those games, you know, and, and we deserved the defeat. We didn't deserve to win. Doesn't sound like we deserved the draw, pretty much, from what I hear. We deserved the defeat. It's really disappointing. Like you, what I will say is, I can't see Cole going anywhere. There's people calling for his head already. Our board will not do that, um, I don't think. Um, and it's vital we keep on supporting him as much as people aren't going to want it. I think we have to stick together. I agree with you. The, the post-match interviews, he's not coming across in the best light. The millionaire comment won't do himself any favours to endeavour himself to any Orient fans. He's already being tarnished as a Steve Davis and he needs to do something ASAP to get away from continuing to be tarnished with that brush. Because once you're tarnished with that brush, mm. it's very hard to get away from that. And he's in a massive risk of falling into that compartment after just three games. Mm. Um, but hopefully, you mentioned Solly Hall away. I'm going to mention it from back in the day with Justin's first game. Hopefully that's our lowest ebb of going somewhere and getting turned over. And that's the boot up a manager's bum that was needed for Justin to go, right, now the work starts. Hopefully mm. that's Cole's boot up the bum and go, right, I've been locked to sell on these players. Next week it's all changed and we're doing things a bit differently mm. and we're going to kick on from here. And if you don't like it, you're gone because we're doing it how I say we're doing it and we're going to start going up the table. Yeah. Some pretty emotional views there, fellas, I would say. Yeah, but it's a difficult time <laughs> when you think, you know, coming in, as, as you said earlier, and I think I said it last week, it's an unusual, and I think I even said it on Orient now, it's an unusual situation that a new manager is coming into a team that have just won three on the bounce. Yeah. Usually when a new manager comes in, it's because they've lost five or six on the bounce and therefore a club's looking to make that sort of change. Yeah. Um, so it's a very unusual situation that Carl finds himself coming into and you'd think that the new manager bounce would help sort of push us forwards not kind of drag us backwards which is kind of what it feels that has, has that, that's happened but you know as always we get a lot of feedback from it like an inordinate amount of feedback this week in particular 
uh, on social media, and a lot came into our, our Twitter account. And we'll try and read as many of it as uh, many of them as possible. But just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we uh, agree with them. And we're going to start with uh, our friend Adam Conway. Yeah, one Adam Conway says unforgivable after four straight wins. This dross kept it short and sweet. Although we must point out it was three wins and a draw, not four straight wins, Adam. But we love you, so we forgive you on that one. Absolutely. Rayleigh Dave said, sounds like we were set up to defend with just one up front. So poor. And if that is Carl Fletcher's approach, it'd better change and fast. Pathetic and worrying. At Graham G, 1484-3952 says, playing with one striker against the bottom side is not an Eddie Howe style. Joe Jessner, 16, said, Orient last three games under Embleton, scored eight, conceded one. First three games under Carl Fletcher, scored one, conceded six. See what you've done there, doesn't bode well. Yeah, CT Fitzpatrick says, that was bad. Fletcher deserves sign, but Orient have looked clueless in attack for the last three matches and everyone seems exhausted after 80 minutes. Starting one striker against the bottom side is inexcusable. I mean, football's a game of hindsight, and if we win the game 1-0, we're all sitting there going, our oh, clean sheet, we nick the goal, whatever. But but they're exhausted after 80 minutes because they've had to chase the ball for 80 yes. minutes. Yeah. And that's yeah. why. Um, that's, that's part of the problem. Paul underscore uh, Wallhouse said, so 10 points from four games, then Martin Ling does his recruitment, and we get an inexperienced manager... And then it's one point from nine. I really hope this will come good for everyone's sake. Paul Wallhouse, listen to the Orient Hour from last week, especially the first 20 minutes of that one. At Rushi J. Bourne says, no effort, no quality and poor subs set up by Fletcher. Just play two up front. Don't put Wilkinson wide. Don't play Marsh at the back. And forget about bringing Gorman on. Uh, Wilco 3000 uh, said, uh, feel numb after that. Going to be a long season. The big concern... Is what created is that we created nothing all game against a struggling side. I mean, that's a great point. We didn't had had we sat here and our keepers pulled off a worldie and made like twenty outstanding saves, saves. like the, yeah. the highest start when you're going. Their keepers played the game of his life, but their keeper, I think, apart from that ninety fourth minute, really, and that one save from Happy, it was pretty standard save. That one. That's why. Has done not, has not unless we've missed out some points in, in no, the That's analysis. why there's such a huge meltdown. Is because there's been nothing about this game that we can draw a positive on. Uh, to be honest, uh, you know, when you watch the game from the stands yesterday, it was this, as if we were playing on a five-side pitch. There was absolutely no space for us. Uh, they managed to get, you know, get balls into the box. They managed to find space. We, we, we had no space. Don't get me wrong. Morecambe have obviously set up a certain way to stop our threats. We had no threat. Problem with that is, if you have no threat, you've got no, I mean, you've got no plan B. It reminds me of, like you said, the Steve. People already liking him to Steve Davis. Steve Davis had no plan B. Mm. You know, when we were four 0 down or whatever it was at Bromley, I think it was four. Changed it four times in the first half. In the first half, as Gate said, you were talking about that game. No, he changed it at Bromley as well. It just seemed like we had no no plan B at all for me yesterday. And if you're going to be pretty one dimensional um, and go out to places like Morecambe, you know. Let's forget, you know, Morecambe are fighting for their lives. They don't want to go down, and I think they're quite a few points behind. And after speaking to one of their sports in the pub after, he actually said that they play, you know, they play quite well on many occasions. And, you know, it's an individual error or, you know, an inexperienced player that's making a mistake and they're losing games. But, you know, I actually congratulated him on how well they played. I just think, I've said it, you know, we're at the risk of repeating myself on a slippery pitch and like you pointed out Steve that the goalkeeper's inexperienced why are we not if we're not getting the balls down the wings why are we not just pumping balls at him 30 yards out getting it on target make him work for it yeah it was you know zero and you know again I'll say it again it was just a soulless 
a soulless performance. Yeah, and that's and that's what's the most concerning because we can take losing, but a soulless performance that's is right. not as a supporter is what you want to be talking about yeah. on a Sunday evening. No, not at all. The occasional one said, I said on appointment he was the wrong choice. I said after one game, I said after two games, and I keep saying it, he's the wrong appointment. Sooner or later, you will agree. John W999 says, I'd love to see which of those already slaughtering Fletcher were calling for Edinburgh's head after three draws at the start of last season. Thank goodness we have people with cool heads running the club. Good shout there. Orient Fan TV said, embarrassing performance against a team that were bottom of the league and not one at home in ages. Feel sorry for the fans who travelled there today and were let down. Still early in the season, but the momentum he has had previously under Ross, sorry, we had under Ross and Danny, and Joby has now gone. Big improvement needed. Harlow Orient is a terrible performance, negative tactics, and if this is what's to come under Fletcher... Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough watch. Hashtag it just by saying life. <laughs> DVDNTTG <laughs> said, The worry is that the confidence Ross built up is now being eroded away and may take another 10 games to restore, in which time we could be in dire trouble. Yeah, Lords and Gamps. It's a strange situation. The team who a few weeks ago were winning 4 0 away and adapting well to lean to didn't look like scoring against the division's bottom team. Morecambe deserves to win very early days. But Fletcher hasn't started well at all, and we look lost from the off. Alan AVM1502 said, Worrying part for me is he didn't change anything. We had one hit the post and a hope shot in the first half, but kept the same formation for the whole match. When Wilkinson came on, he should have gone up with Harold, not stuck out wide. I mean, that is a bit concerning in terms of if we're not creating much. You know, you've got Dennis, Alabi, JMD on the bench. So you've got three players there who are fairly attacking so it's not like you've got no attacking options on the bench so yeah. we're not that you injury. can change tactics you Suffering, can bring yeah. on attacking players like you said about Louis Dennis <clears throat> what's it what's he got to do to get doing? more minutes yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or is he just not that good like I, I didn't know of him at Bromley he seems to be highly rated like Portsmouth like what you said but what's Louis Dennis doing also for me, I've never been a big fan of James Alarby for me he puts in he puts a shift in. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He clearly wants to do well for this club. He clearly wants to, to be around. He Would he yesterday have made a difference against Morecambe? I believe potentially he could have done. And, and uh, the same with him. Uh, I remember against Carlisle, after we made our first substitution, uh, whether, whether it was he was told he was allowed to, but he got straight up off that bench and walked down the tunnel. Um, so he knew he weren't getting a game. Tomorrow, uh, yesterday, he'd have come on and he'd have bullied them defenders. To me, at that point, if you're losing 1 0, would, would James Alabi have made a difference? But, you know, who knows? Why not? Because we needed someone. He'd have come on that pitch yesterday for five, ten minutes and he'd have, he'd have put his heart and soul into that ten minutes to try and affect the game. Um, when the players walked off the pitch at the end, I've never seen a team more tired. They look like they'd just played 180 minutes, they look physically shattered. Um, from well, I think you said earlier on, Paul chasing, <laughs> chasing the ball for ninety minutes. Yeah. So it's tiring. Um, Louis Dennis isn't getting the chances. Uh, JMD isn't getting the chances. Alabi's not really getting the chances. When our key players like Angle Wilkinson are not available through suspension or injury, it, it worries me that we've got not got players that clearly then can affect the game because the players that are on the bench are not getting in the starting eleven at all. So they're not to me. Are they fancied? If they're not fancied and they're subs, are they going to affect the game? Are they going to have that confidence to come on and affect the game? I mean, I think it's quite easy for Carl Fletcher, 
and we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. He might come and say, look, these boys aren't good enough. But the you know the truth of the matter is, he's got these boys until January at the earliest. So whether he fancies them or not, he needs to be figuring out how to play them. Regardless what he wants to do, because yeah. he can't just pick and choose and bring new people straight into the club. He's got to wait unless he's going to go and pick up free agents. That I don't think he'll do. So he needs to be, you know, trusting his players to go and do a job and find out where and they were they doing a job. They were doing a yeah. job because we had three wins and a draw. And to follow on from your point, when Justin Edinburgh came to the club last season and he, and he openly expressed, uh, not last season, sorry, the season before, he openly expressed that um, it was going to be tough and he realised that it was, it was going to be harder than he thought. He had to work with them players and it didn't make that many additions and turn that squad into a championship winning squad. Um, can the same be said for these players? Not sure. It's more about the, the man that's going to lead them. Is Carl Fletcher the man to lead him? My only other concern with Carl Fletcher is we've just replaced the coach with a coach. When we bought, yeah, a few people have said that. When Edinburgh came in, Edinburgh's you know, and Steve Davis. I mean, I'll clear, I think it's clear to me that Steve Davis was given the job because we had a relatively young squad, and his experience of working with the crew youngsters probably put him as an ideal candidate. Mm-hmm. But on this particular occasion, you know, I think you said put someone put in a tweet there that he's the wrong appointment in my honest opinion I do think he is the wrong appointment but, but whether you know whether he's the wrong appointment in the long term who knows but currently with some of the other names that was touted about I think um, I think someone with experience and some form of you know a something on their CV like Edinburgh had a, you know a, a league you know a promotion or a, or a league title would be would, would bode, bode better with us fans I think I think it's very dangerous to compare anyone to Justin yeah. based on what he'd done and the circumstances that happened over the summer but what I will say is I remember doing post-match in Justin's first home game and being captivated when he sp- spoke to us and just thinking this guy is not going to stand for any second grade performance and walking away from that going we'll be out of this league in a year or two thinking this guy won't allow standards to slip and based on what Carl has said so far and I've, to be fair to Carl I've not met him so I I haven't had that face to face but what he's trying to communicate by his post-match doesn't seem to be what most fans are expecting and I think again that's a frustration that's coming out this is the problem as well if if, if we're not being inspired um, I remember when Justin Ember first came came to the club um, on a, I think it was on a Tuesday or Wednesday night I was going up to, to, to the city to, to, to have dinner with my partner and Justin Amber got on the train at the stop after and he walked past me on the carriage and sat in the next carriage. I thought, I've got to go and introduce myself. Huh. I went in and I just shook his hand and I said, look, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bore you for 40 minutes with, you know, my opinion on Orient. Uh, just shook his hand and said, welcome to the club. And I remember saying to him, uh, all I said to him was, you know, just, just do us a favour and try and get us out of the mess. And he, and he looked me clean in the eye and he said that them players that are at the club have currently got are, are capable um, of getting out of where we're at and uh, I'm confident that I'll turn it around and, and I walked away from that very brief 10-20 second chat with him sat down and I thought well this man's he's got a clear you know he's got a clear idea that, that it's going to work you know maybe you just said it to keep you know just to get rid of me yeah, get this bloke from, yeah. from the train on the <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately yeah Fletcher at the moment with his post-match interviews uh, and also his, uh, his actual initial interview with Elliot Byrne on the uh, the, the appointment I wasn't inspired. Okay. Well, I am underscore emo. It's a bit worrying when the new manager doesn't bring the new manager bounce that most teams get. 
He needs time, but I hope I'm wrong when I say the club will look back on this in a few months and know it was a mistake. He's under pressure against Morden. We'll come on to Morden very shortly. Charlie underscore Paul said, a manager does need time and we'd be happy to sit through some bad results if we're, gonna, if we're going in the right direction overall. However, he won't last long with negative tactics like that. Setting up to draw home and away is unacceptable. Needs to change his philosophy moving forward. Fintau with 73. This is just another typical Orient performance. Think that we can rock up against the bottom club and they will just roll over and have their tummies rubbed. Team like to Dawson or Vincelo to drive the team forward and get the others to buck their ideas. I believe up. Steve Dawson is currently available, unfortunately. No sign for. He went to a National League team. I think you're in Hereford for Slutman Slade. He signed for someone. He signed about two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good for him. Uh, Ted talks Orient said we should have started with both Wilkinson and Harold up front. I would have liked to have seen Dennis come on in in the second half, as I think he has a lot to offer, and we haven't seen the best of him yet. LFC Chaz is going to say it, and he is the only one. Thought Matt Harold was superb doing the job of a front three all on his own, winning every header, albeit with no one running onto them as they were in our half. But thought he did a sterling job on his own. Uh, the Menace 1881 with a rather comical uh, uh, tweet said, Ah, now I know what the new manager bounces. Congrats, Morecambe. Very good. <laughs> Matty LFC Evans says, Questionable lineup for me. Clearly, Carl's finding his feet, but you play Walkerson up top and he will create chances and score you goals. Still ready to write off Fletcher, but you need to win to get people on his side and back up why we appointed him. So far, it's not going well. Yeah, Molly Folly 2019 said, win, lose or draw a post-match interview with a Slade or an Edinburgh left you feeling positive and confident and knowing they're in control. They were managers. Having listened to Fletcher three, uh, now to three, th- uh, sorry, let me start that again. Having listened now to three Fletcher interviews, it is clear he is a coach, not a manager. We need a manager, which is echoing what you said. Earlier, Ed. Yeah, Trousers Techno says it was very poor. A typical Steve Davis performance. Too much more of this. And we will be looking downwards. One strike on the pitch against the bottom team. No idea. No shots of note. No goals. Lost, drawn, lost so far. And that's not good enough. And this is a pivotal tweet coming up. Because this guy, who your tweet is about to read, is always so positive about Orient. And when this came through, surprise, I thought he hit the nail on the head. Kevin Cowlin said... Poor result and performance. I'm usually positive. I'm never knee-jerk. And Carl Fletcher needs time. But I have to say, his interviews and apparent lack of passion really worry me. As for his, we'd, be all mil- we'd all be millionaires comment, unacceptable. He should know what to do to improve things. I'd also add that Morecambe lost their entire coaching staff last week and their game plan was set up by two ageing journeymen. We're the club with the new manager, so how could Carl Fletcher give their situation... Uh, for the reason we lost. If you don't attack the opposition box, you won't win. Yeah, that really should have been the final word. But However, we uh, do have a final word from at Barry Twin. So says, anyone can beat anyone in this division and losing is part of football. But watching that today, Fletcher got it all wrong. Poor tactics, poor selection and poor substitutions. So those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook. There's a lot we haven't mentioned, but we, I think we've generally got the vibe right in terms of negativity as opposed to positive because there were a few positives yeah. in there absolutely let us know positives, yeah, if you agree yeah. or disagree with any of those at Orient Outlook on Twitter you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com or we're on Facebook uh, Orient Outlook Podcast or on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore Podcast you know it 
Prediction League <laughs> update then. So well done to Dirk Turk and Bukan JP, who unfortunately both correctly predicted the result of 1-0 loss. You guys get three points. It means the top of the Prediction League is looking very familiar at the moment. Sue underscore Manx is still top. Yeah. Uh, 12 points there Alan AVM 1502 and Wallerad uh, are joint second on 11 points and with 10 points uh, Steve Chaplin 4 and Stephen Orient um, largely unchanged if my memory serves me right so thanks to everybody for the predictions that came in but just to add on to Saturday night I did a two minute cameo on Love Sport Radio oh how was that I forgot to add it how was it Mr Big Uh, Shot uh, who do you think you are? Uh, no, it's fine. It was really good, actually. Um, they do a sort of League One, League Two roundup football show, nine till ten on a Saturday night. I just went on and spoke for a couple of minutes about Orient, what's happened, what's going on. Um, and yeah, it was nice to be on, nice to be asked the questions rather than the question asker. Um, but yeah, just a couple of minutes, it was fine. Gee, you, yeah. you went on there a few weeks ago, didn't you? Can't remember. So what Paul's saying is we want to do more interviews, so get in contact with us and you can interview <laughs> us. So Sunday, the 3rd of November, there was no first team ladies match today, but the development team were in action. They played Clapham United. They drew one all with Tony Jones getting the goal. So not a bad result there for the development team. Yeah, well done uh, to the ladies there. Football, uh, Fancy football update. Then Jack Harrison leads our podcast fancy lead, uh, league on 701 points, ahead of Andy Chalk, who's in second place. Steve is sliding dangerously and perilously down the uh, the league. He's currently 143rd terrible, out of 284 players. That's terrible. Uh, dream team, uh, D. Elias leads the Orient Outlet podcast dream team, 718 points, just ahead of A. Brown on 709. Steve has slipped slightly to 31st. You were 22nd or 21st, oh, no, something yeah. like that. So it's a difficult league. 87 players are in that league and you are 31st. So you are doing better than... Uh, the other 56 so cheers, well done. cheers man so Keep let's going. wrap up this I bad boy we're almost there we, yeah, uh, nearly done now have a positive just and one we positive. have three negatives could have been more but obviously we like to cap uh, max three <laughs> the positive <laughs> is the away support yeah. you know, 353 I think about six I think yeah. uh, but Port Vale were top and they they had a crew so they, they, they took loads yeah. uh, over there but away support continues to be impressive I actually don't think the away support numbers will dwindle I think they'll keep going as strong as what they are. I think if any attendance will dwindle because there's going to be unhappiness, it'll be the home attendance. Yeah, okay. I think the away support is always there amongst the Orient faithful. They enjoy a day out. The negatives then, the performance, arguably, and none of these will surprise anybody. Obviously, losing to the bottom team and didn't play well uh, doesn't really help. The injury list has suddenly got a little bit longer with Connor Wilkinson uh, joining that now. Now, goal difference is getting worse. We're currently on minus four, having got up to... A positive one. Yeah, uh, I think two weeks it was. Ago, so, yeah. So, hero of the week. Struggled on this one this week, I think it's fair to say. We did, but we found 353 deserving winners. So, our heroes of and the you week. You were one of them. Yeah. So, uh, here's the, uh, well done to the 353 fans who went to Morecambe uh, yesterday. So, the 352 fans and our guests and this season. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> Couldn't fit all 353 <laughs> in your house, mate, but. Um, that is all good. So next week's fixtures then. We've got two cup fixtures coming up uh, this coming week. It's uh, First up, we've got Brighton's under-23s in the Leasing.com trophy on Wednesday the 6th of November. Uh, as a win will be enough to see us progress into the knockout stages of that trophy. And then we're in FA Cup action uh, as we entertain Molden and Tiptree in the first round on Sunday the 10th of November. That is a 12.45 kickoff. 
because the BBC decided to select it for overseas viewers. So two quite big games are coming up, um, I think, this week. Matt Porter spoke about them. Um, if you see any Dutch uh, fans or anyone speaking a bit um, eloquently next to you, they're probably not Orient fans, they're probably Ajax fans. Keep an eye out for those Ordinarily, fans. these two wouldn't be big games, and I use these sort of speech marks on that, but now they are big games, aren't they? He's got to win both of these games. I disagree. I think Brighton is a nothing game. I think most of it fans won't care what happens at Brighton. Okay. I think if we lose to Morden and Tiptree, there will be a meltdown, which the size you've never seen before, of epic proportions. Yeah. I honestly don't think Brighton is a massive game. Okay. I think, I think For it, me, it's a game we, have to, we should win. I think if we lose to Morden and Tiptree... I think there's going to have to be real questions asked because even with your reserve team, you Should would you would imagine even with Sarge in goal and a, a, a back four of players like I don't know your Judds, Turley getting some game time, Gorman in midfield, maybe a Larby starting, maybe these players who are just on the budget, you expect JMD to start. Those players should be able to put a, at least a good couple. Yeah, yeah. And I think if we scrape a one nil, I think even if we scrape a one nil. Or if they take us back to theirs, or we end up losing by the goal, I think, I think there'll be a, a huge meltdown. I, I think for me, the, the Brighton under twenty threes game. I know everyone's not a lover of these um, this competition. I think that's going to be a tough one to win because you've got players like I know Steve and Elzate probably won't be in that game now because he's progressed onto no, the, gone, yeah. to the first team. But you've got players there that are chomping at the bit to get in a, to a Premier League squad. So I think that's going to be a hard game to win. Um, but it now gives um, Carl Fletcher, and let's you know let's. Make it clear. No one wants him to fail. Absolutely. You know, I don't want him to fail. I don't want him to get sacked. You know, it's a bit silly to even for people to even be saying that. You've got to give the guy a chance. Uh, perhaps if he does a bit of media training midweek, that'd be handy just to just to maybe uh, improve him in how he comes across to us supporters. But these two games for me gives him an opportunity now at home as well to implement the way he wants to play a little bit more. You know, against uh, Brighton for me, we should have all the freedom in the world because. I couldn't care less whether we get beat 2 or 3 nil, um, because you've got to come up against good quality players there but going forward it'd be nice to see the going forward side of it aspect of the match for him to implement you know getting forward getting shots in getting crosses in that are actually making a difference against Morden and Tiptree don't be wrong it's a, a potential banana skin but again you've got to be winning that game comfortably um, you know uh, it's not going to be an electric atmosphere unfortunately by the sounds of it I think it would have been if uh, if it would have been a reversed, because I think we're only going to have two stands open, so the atmosphere might not help um, get the game. You know, unless we sort of had, you know a sudden in, influx of getting tickets, but unfortunately, off the back of t- yesterday's result, I can't see many people who are half thinking about going to the morning game now deciding. You know, what, I want to, I really want yeah. to go and watch that match, but it gives him an opportunity. And then I know, obviously, we don't want to speak too far past that. But we've actually got a lot of home games now. Being like you said, our next away game is Oldham away. Yeah, the next the next four the next four games is Brighton, Morden Tiptree, Scunthorpe, Forest Green Rovers, yeah. all at home. Yeah, you so got, it's literally got a chance to, and that is an easy Brighton and Morden. You would imagine is an easy team talk because he sits there, he goes right to JMD Dennis. Look, show me you need to be in my first choice eleven. And go out and express yourself and just bang them in against these boys. You've got two games now against Brighton and uh, Morden Tiptree, like I say, to implement your ideas um, and how you want to do going forward. And then you've got two league games at home, which, you know, positively to get four points from. 
it would be great to get four points from from them two games. So that bodes well, at least that we've got a few home games now to play. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, good point. Um, and Jordan Maguire Drew will actually know most of that Brighton team looking back at it because that's where he came from. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So we've got that. Uh, we've got that all going on. Um, also, what we've got going on is uh, the bearded legend South Stand Chum turns forty on Saturday. Um, yeah, so thanks BBC for ruining that one. <laughs> <laughs> so from myself, and I'm sure from our many thousands of listeners and followers, nah. I wish you a very happy birthday. Thank you, mate. And um, we'll celebrate still on Saturday, but I will definitely be tweeting and then retweeting it from our podcast account. Just make sure everybody knows it is your birthday. Thank you, mate. So, mate, as we always do, we're going to finish with a sponsorship reminder. So don't forget for the best plastering and rendering prices around. I'll give yourself a plug. What's the best way to find you and get in contact with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going through Twitter at the minute, so my Twitter handle is Big Ads LRFC. Um, is that, that is it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, with a Z. I can confirm that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Facebook, uh, I'm on Facebook. Don't have a website yet, uh, just don't feel the need to have one. Um, you can also email me, ajfplastering at outlook.com. Uh, and also, you know, if you, if you give me a, a direct message, I'll send you a telephone number. Um, that's that's the best way to get hold of me, and uh, and the, if you can ask the um, the previous customers, the fifteen percent is genuine discount, and that goes for players, that goes for staff, uh, and that goes for our wonderful supporters. Um, had to add wonderful in there just to try and get a few more bites. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so far it's going great, and uh, I look forward to meeting many more Orient supporters and uh, making their houses look lovely. Excellent work, top man. Excellent work. Proud to have you as a sponsor. Absolutely proud. Yeah. Um, so that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, for episode number 198 and with a week to prepare for the Morecambe fixture and a week for Carl to spend with the squad, many O's fans were excited at the prospect of travelling to a team who were managerless and bottom of the football league. But shockingly, the O's never turned up and a disappointing performance saw the O's slip to a 1-0 defeat. So now it's two home cup fixtures coming up for the week as the O's will be looking to progress in both cups as they look to build some much-needed momentum under Carl Fletcher. Otherwise, he's looking a tragic start to his new managerial career and adding more pressure on himself. Yeah, we're going to be back with episode number 199 in a fortnight's time. We're taking a week break next week. Um, so we'll be back on Sunday the 17th of November with all the information and all the views that you could ever need. And it could get contentious if things don't go well for us next week. So, as it stands, there are no plans plans to podcast next week. However, if an emergency situation, i.e. a defeat, an unthinkable defeat, we may have to do it on the Monday evening. Hopefully, please God, we won't be having to do a podcast. (laughs) I don't think I could handle it. But, um, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Give our podcast a review. We had two um, new ratings on iTunes. Thank you five stars. Much. Thank you for the anonymous people who put them forward. We always love to leave a comment. So if you are listening on iTunes, please do so. <coughs> if you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn or Stitcher, add us to your favourites. And that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. And if you have an older relative or a loved one who you think will like the podcast, grab their phones and download it for them. Also on every smart speaker um, you could possibly buy so please make sure you listen and recommend the podcast for everyone one last push Christmas is coming Adam has a lovely keep calm and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast mug you can buy them from us they are £5 Hanukkah Christmas birthdays bar mitzvahs any festivals 
They make great presents. They do. And I was speaking to a senior member of the club who said the quality of these is extremely good. <laughs> extremely good. I shan't name that person's name, but uh, compared to um, uh, other mugs that have been sampled by that said individual, um, they come up extremely highly regarded. They come in and out of a dishwasher looking brand new. I was just about to ask that. Yeah, absolutely. I've used mine loads of times and it still looks like, like that. Brilliant. So Adam, thank you for joining us, giving up your Sunday thank evening. Thank you, mate. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure having you. And any more offers that you get, we will be happy to push them on. So that is it. It's been a long one. We thought it would be an hour. It's coming in an hour, 27 minutes. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm. Have a great week. Happy 40th birthday. Thank you, mate. And listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. Always look on the bright side of life Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten There's something you've forgotten And that's to love